The first lesson is from Romans 12, 1 through 21. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may be that you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than you ought to think, but to think of so- with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members and the members do not have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes to generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another when showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, be, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one with, for evil with evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave in the wrath of your enemy. For God has written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The word of the Lord. It's nice that the sun came out at just the right time to illuminate the pulpit so that I can read my sermon. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you uh, have called us into your presence, that you have truly established the work of our hands, and we pray that you would do that, and we pray now that as we come to your word, that you bless its reading, and now its preaching, that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to understand what it is that you would have to say to us, because yours is the voice that we need to hear above all other voices, the voice of love, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So we've been in a sermon series this fall that we have titled Welcome, Worship, 
witness. And we have been working our way through these three different parts of uh, this sermon series as a way to establish this church, this newly formed, merged up together church, and what is our mission, our purpose, what it is that we are doing, that we are here to welcome, to worship, to witness. And Jameson introduced the second part of this sermon series, the worship section, uh, last week. And I'll summarize um, what he preached on last week, which was gathered worship, gathered worship on Sunday. And I'll summarize it this way, that what are we, what we are doing right now, today, and what we do every single Sunday on the Lord's Day is that we are coming together to be reminded that God finds you worthy of his love, that God finds you worthy of his presence, and therefore we in turn respond to God's worthy gaze upon us by turning our gaze back to him and to say that he is worthy. He's worth it. Worth-ship. Worth-ship. That is worship. That is what it means to worship, to ascribe to something or someone the worth that it deserves. And what we are doing here on Sunday is to say that God is worthy of our love. He is worthy of our affections. He is worthy of our presence above everything else in this world, above all others. So that is gathered worship what we are doing here today. So today's sermon is meant to expand that what we do on Sundays is to include this idea that all of life is an act of worship. That if this is throwing the stone into the pond and the initial splash, that being here today and gathered worship is that splash in the lake of our life. It is then meant to have ripple effects out into our everyday, if what we are doing today is gathered worship, the corporate reenactment of the gospel story, then what we do when we leave this building is scattered worship. The reenactment of the gospel story in our day-to-day lives where all of life is worship. Now, there are a lot of exhortations in chapter 12 of Paul's letter to the Romans. That's what we're going to Look at today if you want to have Romans 12 open uh, for you to look at. There's a lot of exhortations in typical Paul run-on sentence style of what that pertain to what it looks like when one goes through your day-to-day with the orientation that all of life is worship. But rather than go through all of them one by one in typical Brian style, I'm going to summarize And uh, we're going to focus all of what Paul says in chapter 12 of his letter to the Romans in verses 1 and verses 12. Let me read for you again verse 1 that Tahoon read for us earlier. Romans 12, 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So as Jameson touched on last week, if Old Covenant worship practice, Old Testament worship practice, sacrificed animals as symbols of seeking communion with God, seeking God's presence and to be present with Him, if that Old Covenant 
worship system, if that's what it was about, if that's what you bringing a farm animal to church and the priest would take that farm animal and cut it up and then barbecue it on the altar, all to symbolize in that barbecue smoke rising up into the sky, symbolizing you as a person being brought up into the heavens to commune with God, to be present where God is and God to be present with you. If that's what all that symbolized, then Jesus comes along and thankfully says, you no longer have to do all that. Can you imagine? That's what we did every Sunday. Brought goats and rams and bulls and birds and all sorts of things in here and you brought them up to the front. And Jameis and I, I mean, we're good at barbecuing. I can, I can attest to you. We can do it. We could do it. But can you imagine if that's what we did every single Sunday? And Jesus comes along and says, you don't have to do that anymore. Because I was the full, sufficient, and perfect sacrifice for all of that. It culminated in me. We don't need to bring farm animals any, anymore because now you are living sacrifices, not dead sacrifices. You are living sacrifices, spiritually offering yourself back to God as an act of worship. And so Paul goes on in chapter 12 and he spells out what a life as a living sacrifice, living all of life as worship would look like. And I want to summarize all of those practical applications with verse 12 of chapter 12. Listen again to what Paul said in chapter 12. So he goes through. You heard all those things a second ago that to whom read. But then he says in verse 12, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. If all of life is meant to be in worship of the God who made us by his love, for his love, if all of life is meant to be lived and worship as living sacrifices, as our spiritual act of worship, then it will require these three things. Joy, patience, constancy. Joy, patience, and constancy. Because if you're going to live out Paul's long list of what a life lived that all of life as worship looks like, then you're going to need these three things. Why? Because your joy is going to constantly be assaulted, which makes it hard to do all that long list of things that Paul lays out in Romans chapter 12 when you have no joy. Your joy is constantly going to be assaulted, therefore you will require the discipline to renew your joy in the hope that you have in Christ if you are going to treat all of your life, everything that you do, as an act of worship to God. You're going to need these three things because you will experience tribulation in this life. Jesus promised his disciples straight up that in this life there will be many sorrows. You will experience heartache and hardship and heartbreak. But you can patiently endure as even your tribulations are opportunities for worship. 
And because the joy of your hope is going to be assaulted, because your patience is going to be tested in tribulation, if you are going to live all of life as worship, offering yourself a living sacrifice to God's never-ending worship, through it all, you must learn a constancy in prayer. And by a constancy in prayer, by prayer, I don't mean saying your prayers. A life of prayer certainly includes that. You know what I mean, your petitions, right? My neighbor is ill. Lord, please give them help. Frank needs a job. Please give Frank a job. Those prayers are important. They are a part of it, but that's not necessarily what I'm talking about, that we need to be constantly making our petitions before God 24-7. Or even, I don't necessarily mean reciting our prayers. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Again, those prayers given to us in the scriptures are important, and they are a part of our prayer life. But when I say a constancy in prayer, when Paul talks about it, I don't think he means that we're constantly going around our day. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father who art in heaven, you know, over and over and over and over. Not that either. What I mean by constancy in prayer is a life of mindful presence to the presence of God wherever you are, whatever you are doing, whoever you are with. What I believe constant in prayer means, or when Paul says elsewhere in other places, to pray without ceasing is an awareness that everything in your life is here for you to be awakened to the loving glorious presence of God here for you at all times, in all places, with all people. Constancy in prayer is fighting against this notion that we, we think that we have to go find God. Jameson alluded to this last week in, in his sermon and in, in the, in the illustrations he gave very powerfully that we have to go find him, that we're on a treasure hunt, that he's out there somewhere hidden and it's our task to like break through all the barriers and go figure out where he is because he's hiding from us and we just got to go find him. When the truth is, he's everywhere all the time. He's not far from any of us at any given moment. Instead, what we need are the disciplines and the abilities to be able to have the eyes to see him and the ears to hear him and hearts and minds capable of receiving him because he's all around us all the time. And respond accordingly by ascribing worship back to him by this con con constant, mindful, present constancy in prayer. Constancy, constancy in prayer does not mean going around singing praise and worship songs all the time. That is not what it means to offer yourselves as living sacrifices and this is your spiritual act of worship. I mean, that would be great if you could go through your life and every minute of the day constantly singing worship songs to God. But I'm telling you right now, that would be weird. Okay? Even if you just hummed them in your head. Or constancy in prayer is not walking around throughout your day having this constant dialogue out loud with God in prayer. That also would freak people out. Plus, it's just impossible. Who could possibly sustain that? That's fine if you do and you're able to, but I don't think that's what he means. What I'm describing to you, this constancy, constancy in prayer, is this ability to see as God sees, to look around you and to see as God sees, to listen 
as God listens. And therefore, to love as God loves. And that thereby, to live all of life as worship of him. That that I just described to you, that many in the Christian tradition, they would describe or call mysticism. This ability to live every present moment right where your feet are and to be able to look around and to see and to hear, to taste, to smell, to recognize the presence of God in your everyday life at all times and all places and with all people and therefore give that presence back to God and worship. That is what the Christian tradition would call a practice of mysticism. And now here is where I could describe for you by way of application the means and methods of Christian contemplation and mindfulness and meditation that I'll be honest with you, I have come to learn in the second half of my life are important for us to recover if we're going to live constant in prayer and therefore awake to the idea that all of our life is worship of God. But I'd rather leave you with another pioneer or sojourner of what it means to live all of life as worship because this person is an example of someone who sought wholeheartedly to live all of life as worship, but who, like me and like maybe many of you, found it very difficult to access by way of disciplines of contemplative prayer and meditation. And his name was Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence, he was a French Carmelite monk of the 17th century. He was a soldier. He got wounded in battle. He retired, and later he became a monk. And he worked as a lowly kitchen aide in the monasteries where he served. He was uneducated. He was a simple and gentle man. But he radiated a humble wisdom that eventually caught the attention of a cardinal, and the cardinal sent someone to interview Brother Lawrence. And what we know of Brother Lawrence's spiritual rule of life and work and what are known as his maxims that were recovered uh, when they looked through his personal items after he died, that's, this is what we know. It came from those interviews and those maxims of life. And what I wanted to share with you today Someone who sought to live this, but maybe found it difficult through the traditional channel, so to speak. He said this, I don't practice any particular prayer discipline. Amen. I have no specific technique that I use to meditate. I know these methods work for many people, but for me, when I tried them, I just spent all of my time rejecting my wandering thoughts over and over. I know, I know the feeling. I've tried to practice these disciplines, but now I don't worry about them anymore. Their only purpose anyway is to bring a person to union with God. Why should I fast or set aside particular prayer times or deny myself in some way when I've found the shortcut? If every moment I'm consciously practicing love, doing all things for God's sake, then I don't need to worry about all these spiritual methods. Nor is it needful that we should have great things to do. We can do little things for God. I turn the cake that is frying on the pan for love of him. 
And that done, if there's nothing else to call me, I prostrate myself and worship before him who has given me grace to work. And afterwards, I rise happier than a king. It is enough for me to pick up but a straw from the ground for the love of God. For when we walk in the presence of God, the busiest moment of the day is no different from a quiet of a, of a prayer altar. Even in the midst of noise and clutter, while people's voices are coming at you from all directions, asking for your help with many different things, you can possess God with the same serenity as if you were on your knees in a church. See, Brother Lawrence lived that no matter how mundane or routine, how sacred or secular, how big or small, how stressful or peaceful, all of life was the medium of God's love and therefore an opportunity to be present in worship of God in it. Whether you're cooking meals, scrubbing pots, folding laundry, changing diapers, doing your homework, taking a walk, lying in bed, throwing a ball for your dog, facing down a deadline, or enduring the scorn of the world. All of life is worship, scattered about for the life of the world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Mm -hmm.